Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Welcome to City Bridge, everybody. We are so glad y'all are here. My people, ah, I love you guys. It's like being home, I mean, really. Hey, if you have never been on this stage when they've run that bumper, you should come up here sometime. It's a wild ride. The bass hits and it's like amazing. Anyway, has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Just thought it was a unique experience that I just had. We are so glad you're here. If I haven't gotten to meet you, my name is Daniel Smith. I have the privilege of being the students and family ministry director here. And it is, it is my deepest joy that I get to hang with these people right here and be part of their lives and be part of their families. It is incredible. Uh, man, and also one of the things you might need to know about me is that I love all things fall. Like I am so excited that fall is here. Anybody else with me on this? Right? Okay, yeah. We got fall football, we're ready to go. We got college football happening on the weekends. We've got fall weather. It got below 95 degrees and I started having fires in my backyard. Um, and then it felt like summer again. It was like, that was a bad choice. Uh, and then we've also got, man, chili. I don't know about you guys, that's one of my favorites. And then to cap it all off, like fall baseball, guys. We can't get better than the Rangers playing in October, right? I mean, it's been incredible. But if I could share maybe one unpopular opinion with you, I'm just gonna be, just, if this is a safe place, I'm gonna lay this out here. I kinda miss summer. I know, yeah, I know, I know. Look, it's, we all remember it was 117, all that kind of stuff. We melted when we walked outside. It was like, why do I even put on deodorant? And then people reminded me of why I put on deodorant. It was fine. Um, but here's why I miss summer, right? It's not because of the weather. It's because of what happened when I came home from work. You know, I, w- I knew what was gonna happen. So I would drive home in my little Ford Focus. I'd pull into my car or into my spot, like by in front of our house. The little winder thing would wind all the way down. And then I would get out and I knew that my boys would be playing in the front. And that as soon as I got out, we would be going inside, putting on sunscreen and swimsuits and going to our local public pool. And it was incredible. And my boys are at the age now, like nine and eight or nine and Six. I know their ages, I promise. Uh, but anyway, they're like, we're at the age now where we can actually play at the pool. You know, we go out to the pool and we'll throw the football and they'll dive to see how far out they can go and catch it. And we introduce them to a game uh, that we that since then have stopped playing called Marco Polo, right? If you've ever played Marco Polo at a public pool, it's a dangerous place to be. Especially because like my nine-year-old is smart, right? And so he starts using random people in the pool as shields. I'm like, Marco, he's like, Polo. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to, have you seen my nine-year-old son? He's swimming around here somewhere. Get the towels, we're going home. We can never come back again. Like, like this is kind of where we're at with Marco Polo. And if we're being really honest with ourselves, Marco Polo also feels like our prayer life. You scream Marco into the cosmic universe hoping to hear the Lord reply back with something. And in the best situations, you feel something and you find someone. But really, that's kind of how we feel like our prayer life goes. Here's the thing. I think Jonah helps us with our Marco Polo problem. And so we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 2 today and look at a prayer of desperation from a prophet who refused to pray until he was at the bottom of a pit. Before we do that though, would you mind if I pray for us and then we'll dive in? 
Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you because you're good and we can trust you. And so God, would you, would you, we trust you at this time. Would you move? Would you open our ears to hear your word? Would you open our minds to understand it? Would you open our hearts to be conformed by it? Would you help us to see that you're near and that you hear us and that you care about us and that you love us and you call us into life? Would you be with us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Jonah chapter two. This is gonna be where Jonah ends up praying finally. Like if you look through it all, a lot of other people pray before Jonah prays in this situation. But what I think we need to really identify is that in Jonah one, the author does something with the text that really comes to light here at the beginning of Jonah two. So we're gonna backtrack. In Jonah one, we got to see how our God relentlessly pursues us, even when we run from him. And it is a helpful reminder and a gift to remember. But when we get into Jonah 2, if we've missed this thing that the author does with his words, we'll also miss a little bit of what he means for us to see in Jonah 2. So we're going to backtrack a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start in 1 verse 3. So God has called to Jonah And Jonah has responded by rising and leaving. And we see here in Jonah chapter three, he went down to Joppa. And this begins a descent for Jonah, a descent of rebellion and a descent of running from what the Lord has clearly called him to. Okay, so here we go. He goes down to Joppa. And then again, in verse three, he goes down to the ship. And then again, in in chapter one, in verse five, We see that as the storm is hurling and as it's going around, he goes deeper into the ship to the belly of the ship. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And so not only does he go down, but he lays down. And as he lays down, he tries to sleep it out, right? Doesn't really work well for him. We get a little bit further into the text in Jonah 1, 15. And here we see, so they picked Jonah up. This is after everybody prayed, they cast lots, and Jonah's like, hey, it's my, fault, my problem. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me for all my T-Swift fans. And then he said, then they said, okay, so we're going to take him and we're going to throw him down into the sea. And as he sinks down into the sea, we end up in chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah has gone as far down as Jonah can possibly go. Into the belly of a fish. And it is here, at the furthest depth that Jonah could be, that Jonah decides to pray. This is where we're supposed to realize, I am Jonah. I do the same thing. I get into life and I try to do my offense and run my offense and it goes horribly wrong. And so then I go to one thing to fix it and that, go, that doesn't do it. And then I go to another thing to fix it and that doesn't do it. I go to another thing to fix it. And when I feel like I've exhausted all of my resources, it has come to this, I guess I'll pray. What if he had done that at the beginning? He could have avoided some seaweed. You know what I mean? But here's where I look at Jonah, I'm like, man, I'm like him. I have to wait until I'm in the most desperate of circumstances 
before I call out to the God who rules over everything and says that I'm here near you. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm in a conversation with somebody and I give them advice and I watch them ignore it and they run their own offense and I see it blow up in their face, I feel a little bit more like, <laughs> told you so. And then they come to me for advice again and I give them it and they ignore it again. I'm like, <laughs> told you so. And then by the second or third time that they do that, I'm kind of like, hey buddy, I, I don't know why you keep coming to me. You don't want my advice. So I'm just not gonna give it to you. I kind of write people off in that way. Sometimes when I'm in like my uh, worst self, if I, if I could be a little bit transparent and honest, uh, and it's something that I'm working on. But aren't we glad God's not that way? Like we get to look here and see that God hears desperate prayers from desperate people in desperate circumstances. It doesn't get more desperate than being inside of a fish. I don't know if you've ever caught a fish. They don't smell great. They don't look great. Feels like a pretty miserable place to be. And this is where Jonah is. And he cries out and God hears him. Look at this. Jonah 2, verse 2. So in verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. And what's crazy is that Jonah's decisions have put him in this situation, and yet God still listens to him. It's like when I was 14, and my youth group went to uh, North Carolina, and we decided we were gonna go whitewater rafting. And as we decided to go whitewater rafting, we decided to put 14, or we decided to put like all the 14 year olds in the same boat, which really we did it to ourselves, right? And like as a whitewater rafting company, that, that probably should be some kind of policy where it's like, you shouldn't have a boat full of 14 year olds, they're gonna make bad choices, you know? And as we're driving down, as we're floating down the river, not driving, we're floating down the river, and we're getting to this one section, and our river guide looks at a boat full of 14 year olds, and he says, hey guys, we can take this next section, mild, wild, or super wild. 14-year-olds, what decision do they make? Oh, we chose super wild all day long, right? And, we, and here's the deal, we're 14-year-olds. We have no idea what super wild could be. And so as we chose super wild, the, the guy then responds to us with, hey, if we do this right, everybody's going to be out of the boat. And I was like, hold on, uh, that feels... Isn't the goal to stay in the boat in whitewater rafting? What are we doing? And he's like, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go down this section, it's like a class four rapid, and we're gonna spin the boat and we're gonna broadside this rock and then it's gonna flip us out of the boat and then we'll all be swimming. Isn't it a great idea? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, and, and, you know, typical of 14-year-old boys, we were non-committal, right? So, like, we were going down, and as we are driving down the river, they start to turn the boat, but then some other people are like, I don't know if I want to swim. And so I'm sitting on the front left, and we turn the boat to where the front left is what's going to hit the rock. And as we hit the rock, I pop up, I fall out, and I grab life jackets as I'm going down. Because I'm like, if I'm in the water, you're coming with me. And so we end up in the water, I pop up, and I see my friends, right? They're about, you know, 10 feet in front of me or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's only three of us in the boat. I wonder where the, and then bam, I get hit in the back of the head with the boat. And I'm under the water. And I try to swim up and I hit the bottom of the boat. And then I try to swim up and I hit the bottom of the boat. And then I try to swim up and I hit the bottom of the boat. And out of a prayer of desperation, I was like, air. And like, the Lord heard me, he answered me. And I popped up on the other side of the boat. It was a beautiful thing. The guy grabbed me by the life jacket and pulled me in. And sometimes our poor decisions put us in desperate situations. And then sometimes they don't. 
Sometimes we end up in a desperate situation, not because of our poor decisions, but because we live in a desperately broken world. I think for me, that happened in 2019, when in March, one morning we woke up and my wife had just suddenly lost hearing in her right ear. To never come back. Through all the tests, through all the procedures, through all the like trials. I mean, they did crazy stuff. They shot, they gave her shots inside her ear. And it came to a place where they were just like, hey, it's just not coming back. That hearing that you had is gone. And I was in a desperate situation. And I remember where I was. I was driving down 75. This was back when we were still part of Watermark. And I was going to Watermark, Dallas. And I remember my wife had an appointment and we had an extended time to pray. And I cried out to the Lord and pleaded for healing. And then I got a phone call from my wife to update me on the status of it. And it wasn't the news that we wanted. But I still know that God heard me because of the way that he responded when I received that news. And we're gonna to get to that in a second. But in Jonah 2, verses three through six, we see that God hears the desperate prayers of desperate people in desperate situations. Jonah had called out and the Lord heard him. And he says to him, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. If you hear it, Sometimes our own decisions put us in desperate situations. Sometimes a desperate, broken world puts us into desperate situations. And sometimes the desperate sin of others puts us in desperate situations. Something like what happened at the state fair. Or maybe it's your parents are arguing and you're fearful they're going to get a divorce. Or maybe it's the person at your work who's blaming you for everything and you're, all you're doing is trying to live in friendship with them and puts you in desperate spots. And you cry out and you're wondering, God, do you hear me? And what Jonah has to say to us is this, he does. Not only does he hear us, but God saves desperate people who call on him. Here in Jonah, three, in Jonah 2, we see it where he says in the end of verse six, at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. Later on in uh, Jonah nine, he says that salvation belongs to the Lord. And when we hear this, we hear God saying like, I am here for you to save you. But I think the interesting thing here with Jonah is this, that Jonah's saying that he's saved before he's even out of the fish. 
And for me, as I was driving down 75 to Watermark, Dallas, and I spent time in prayer thinking, okay, I'm going to hear from Catherine that she's got the phone call that she's going to be able to hear out of her right ear again. And this is going to be great. God, I prayed and this is, I've checked all the boxes, God. You're going to save. And then we got the news that it was never coming back again. And I remember clearly in that moment, hearing from God saying, I'm still good in this. And you can trust me. And you can trust that if you knew everything that I knew, you would choose the same thing. And then I had peace. You see, he saved me from myself, not my circumstance. And this is where Jonah's at. In the belly of the fish, he doesn't know if he's getting out, but yet he knows that God hears him and can save him. This, this is all throughout scripture, that God hears the cries of desperate people and saves. Right, like in Psalm 34, six, it says this, this poor man cried and you heard me and you delivered me from all my iniquities from all my fears. In Romans 10, 13, it says it this way. Uh, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They will be saved. They're going to be saved. And it may not save you from your circumstance that you're trying to get out of, but it will save you in your soul and give you the thing that you need the most, which is him. His whole plea, Jonah's whole plea in Jonah 2 is to remember who God is despite the circumstances that he's in. And God saves, God moves, God hears. It's not our ability to get us out of the fish, but it's our ability to draw near to the Lord who loves us. And as we draw near to him, we see his salvation. And then we get to see a little bit of a bitter picture of Jonah when, it say, when he says in Jonah 7, eight, uh, seven through nine, two, seven through nine, he says this, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And here's Jonah's prayer where he says, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll do what you told me to. Right? Like we've been there. We've all been there. We've had that prayer. For me, it was similar to when I was driving back on a long road trip and I had a little bit of a upset stomach and needed a bathroom and a tree wasn't cutting it. And I was just like, Lord, if you'll get me to the next rest stop, I will become a student pastor. And here we are. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love my job and feel like God has called me to this. I do. I do. But man, in my car on 75, I was trying to make deals. Hey God, if you'll, if you'll just give her hearing back, I'll do this. And maybe you've been in that same spot. God, if you'll, if you'll just give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend, man, I will, I will honor you with that relationship. God, if you'll, just give, if you'll just help me get married, man, we will be the holiest marriage people have ever seen. God, if you'll help me pay my bills this month, Man, I will tithe like you've never seen anyone tithe before. 
And what's crazy is that a lot of times we kind of like look at these prayers and we're like, ah, well, okay, what are you actually trying to pray for? But recognizing the situation that you're in and saying, God, hey, I want to live differently and live your way is what we call repentance. It's really not that bad of a prayer to pray, Lord, help me. I want to live for you and I want to live differently. Because see, when we turn to God, we also turn away from our sin. And this is what Jonah is saying here. He's saying, Lord, if you will be with me, if you will help me turn away from the things that I've been going to already, I will follow you. I have seen where I'm at and I see who you are and I want to be with you. It's crazy. Repentance is where we end up finding life. And I think the other thing that as we were reading through this and we talk about it as a staff as we got ready to teach and all that kind of stuff, uh, verse eight was one of those things that stuck out to us. And we were looking at verse eight and thinking like, this feels out of place in Jonah chapter two. If you read it, it says this, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. And as we were kind of talking through like, what does he mean there? That feels like it's out of pocket. Like it feels like we're like, man, I'm in this bad situation. I'm in this bad situation. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Hey, the people who cry out to vain idols, they forsake your steadfast love. God, save me. And you're like, Jonah, where did that come from? Why are we talking about this? I had the hot opinion. I was like, hey, I think he's talking about the Ninevites. He still doesn't like them. He still doesn't go there. Uh, and I was, I was wrong. Um, and consensusly, I was wrong. It's always fun to be wrong in front of people, you know, because then they remind you that you're wrong. But here, uh, as we started to look at it, we were reminded of Jonah chapter one, verse five. And in Jonah chapter one, verse five, we see the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And Jonah's remembering that moment in the belly of the fish. Man, these people cried out to their gods and nothing happened. In the game of cosmic Marco Polo, they heard silence. And Jonah's like, but God, you answered. Because when they cried out to you and walked in obedience to you, you calmed this storm. And here's what I would submit. When we get it to the place where we're like, it has come to this, we must pray. I think often we run to our vain idols first as opposed to praying to God. We get into a certain situation and we get desperate and we think, okay, I'm just gonna throw money at it. Money will solve my problem. I've got a fat checking book and I'm gonna throw all the cash that I can at this problem to make it go away. Or maybe it's our performance. Gosh, I really put myself in the ditch with grades and I am going to really hunker down and study and my effort and my performance is gonna pull me out of this hole. Or maybe it's, we go to relationships. I'm feeling lonely. And so I need another person to pull me out of my desperate situation. Or maybe as a parent, it's your kid's performance. I had parent-teacher conferences this week. I know this one a little bit too well. But you go and you're like, I want my kid to act this way so that I kind of look good. 
And what we see in Jonah is this, that when you pay regard to vain idols, you forsake the hope of steadfast love. You forget it. You miss it. You're not able to you're not able to see God in your situation and you've placed your hope in something that is utterly hopeless and cannot save. And that's why he ends with salvation belongs to God. If you're a believer, it's not that you can lose your salvation, it's that he holds it. So why run to anything else? And if you're not his, It means there's a love that is there for you that you're missing. That can give you joy and hope. Why not run to him? What's crazy is that in all of this, he still hears and he still answers. He still hears and he still saves. He still hears and he still comes towards us, not away from us. Because he loves us and he's near. In the cosmic game of Marco Polo, you don't have to reach for anything because he's holding you. In the cosmic game of Marco Polo, when we go down, 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 chasing our idols and we end up at rock bottom, we're not hopeless because the rock at the bottom is the rock of ages ready to restore you. And we get to see this at the end of Jonah 2 and the beginning of Jonah 3, that our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of second chances. We look at Jonah 2 and at the end of it, we see that he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. He ends his prayer and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry, upon dry land. Not only did he save him from his situation, he puts him on dry land and he sets him up to thrive. He sets him up to live. And as we look at Jonah, he gets to see that, man, God has delivered me. God has met me and God goes before me. And then we get this, and this is maybe one of the most hopeful passages in all of Jonah. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Like, he didn't just say, I'm done. He didn't just say, hey, you know what? I'll get you out of the fish, but I'm not using you again. He said, I am going to give you the word again. Like second chances are a unique thing that breathes life into the world around us. Second chances are the thing that like change our trajectory. Second chances are the thing that give us hope. And in this passage, we get to see that God not only sees him, but meets him and gives him hope and purpose. It's a second chance to follow him. It's incredible. Not only is it a second chance to follow him, but then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And what does the word of the Lord say the second time that it comes to him? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, here we get to see Jonah 
move and capitalize on his second chance. And why? Because he remembers the steadfast love of the Lord when he was in his desperate situation. God's love met him there, restored him there, and gave him mission to move forward. God's word hadn't changed. His command was still the same. The thing that was different was Jonah's obedience. Because he didn't want to end up in a fish again. No. Because the love of the Lord that he understood in that situation compelled him towards obedience. And I would just submit to you, Obedience to God is where life is found. Dependence on him and fleeing from those idols that we run to that are vain, that forsake our steadfast love, that is where we can pursue life in him. That is where we find hope in him. That's where we find purpose and mission. And if we're in this room and we have a lot of people here, I realize that there are people in this room that are in different spots. Some of us have come into this room and we're thinking, man, I am not only on my second chance, my third chance, my fourth, my fifth, my sixth, seventh chance, Daniel. I think I'm out of chances. And what we learn from Jonah is this, as long as you have breath, you have a second chance. As long as you have breath to pray, to call out to him, he will hear you and answer you and meet you where you are. Jonah thought he was far from the presence of the Lord in the belly of a fish, only to cry out to God and realize he was there beside him. The same is true of you. You're not playing to a God in the heavens. You're playing to a God who's near you, who longs to be with you. If you would just call out to him. In the, game of the, in the cosmic game of Marco Polo, when we cry Marco, we don't hear polo. We feel the arms of a father holding us. Telling us that he's with us. And offering us life if we would follow him. You're never too far gone. Regardless of what you've done. regardless of how you've messed up or what idols you've trusted. And we're going to sing and we're going to pray. I just want you to find life. And so in a moment, we're going to have people down here who want to help you. Who want to cry out to the God of the fish of the seas and the God of restoration with you. Would you come and just talk to us? Let us pray. Cast down the idols you've been trusting in.
and put your trust in the one who never leaves us? You'll find more life and more joy there than continuing to go down, down, down your own way. So we'll be here waiting for you. And he will be here waiting to restore you. If you would just trust him. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.